Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in, over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yep. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, and all around nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that, and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. Um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah. Everybody, welcome to the Tuesday Tune In. Um, as you can see, it's me and someone you might not have met before. Um, so this is Kate. And I've asked Kate to come on because she is a previous winner, one of the first, I think, if not the first winner of our um, Everest Base Camp competition where we gave away a free trip. Kate was the person that won it. Um, and then I was lucky enough to go to Everest Base Camp with Kate in April. Um, and so I brought her on basically just to tell her story of winning the competition, how it was when you went on the trip. And I already said to her beforehand that she can be honest. <laughs> And um, yeah, so welcome, Kate. Welcome to the Tuesday Tune-In. So Hi. how are you? Hi. Welcome. Yeah, good to be here. I'm really well. Yeah, really well. It's uh, been a bit of a bonkers three years since. Is it three years? Yeah, three years. I know. It's flown yeah. by because obviously in the middle of all that, we've had just nothing, <laughs> like a weird thing. But Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it is it's almost been... like we've all been in... I don't know. It's like a dream for two years, and then we're just starting to wake up and do mm. things. And I've just spilled fizzy water all over myself, which is quite, which is quite professional, isn't it? But I think the last time I saw you, Kate, was when we decided <laughs> to do Ben Nevis, um, on I think the hottest day of the year. Um, yeah, and it was a pretty hardcore. Yes. <laughs> Very hot for Scotland, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we got a view at the top, which you don't often. Yeah. By all yeah. accounts, you only get that about 30 days a year as well. And the day that we picked to go on was the, I mean, it was so hot. Both of us, I think, when we were driving back um, to York was, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty specialist. I think we were both like, when we stopped at the services, we were like limping in to get a coffee and cake and stuff. But um, awesome. Yeah. So, Kate, thanks for joining us. And obviously you're... We met and your journey started with us when you won the competition and you're the first person who's actually won a competition and been on a trip to actually come on a Tuesday tune-in. Um, I, <laughs> I suppose the first question is, what motivated you to enter the competition 
Um, you know, why why did you see Everest Base Camp and think that's what I'd rather do? <laughs> um, well, I've always been fascinated by it, and I don't usually shy away from things. I tend to sort of uh, sign up for things and um, then deal with it later. <laughs> but <laughs> the Everest Base Camp, um, it was a it was really strange. Really, I just turned forty five in the April of 2018 and I set myself a five-year goal to go to Everest Base Camp by the time I was 50 and I told people this but then I saw Evertrek uh, advertising a competition so I thought well in for a penny in for a pound I'll give it a go <laughs> and I sent off all my reasoning why and something that I really wanted to do. I'm a single parent to a wonderful girl who was 14 at the time. And I just wanted to sort of show her that, you know, I, um, you can do anything, anything yeah. at all, if you put your mind to it. Um, and then I anxiously awaited <laughs> the live for the, um, I hadn't told anybody I'd entered, parents, yeah. daughter, anybody. I was on my own in the house when it happened. And it was the bizarrest thing because I just, all of a sudden after the live, you know, like you turned the, you and Andy were like, yay, and the winner is, and it just had my name with this like yeah. mountain thing. And I honestly could not believe it, but because it wasn't on anything I could talk to, I just had to type, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I was screaming in my house on my own. And, um, I remember ringing my parents and, my, well, rang my daughter first, then rang my parents. And I was like, I've got something to tell you. And I think they were thinking, oh, what's she doing now? Um, <laughs> I'm to Everest. And it was just unbelievable. And from that moment on, from winning it, the communication with you guys was just all the time, any queries. Um, and I spoke to Andy about when I was going to go, because I thought I'd go about a year later. Yeah. This was the August, so I thought the following September. And he says, what about April? Because that's when we're going to be on it. And it'd be nice if you went when we're there. So I was like, oh, but it's my birthday in April. Anyway, we look, he looked at it. He says, hang on a minute. Let's just have a look. And as fate would have it, my birthday was the day we would reach base camp. Yeah. It was like, it's fate. Um, so yeah, so I reached base camp actually on my 46th birthday. Yeah. So um rather than taking five years, it took a year to the day. <laughs> so Amazing. Yeah. I remember the day. I remember the day. And um, yeah. I've never seen someone so happy and yet so exhausted. <laughs> you know, it was like I like there was two really powerful emotions. Obviously, you were very proud and you'd achieved something amazing, and then it was also like there are so much easier ways I could have turned <laughs> 46. Celebrating um, my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is it is amazing that every time I go to Nepal, and I've been a few times now, I'm very lucky in that respect, and I've met quite a few people that have gone on. And every now and again, I do tend to meet someone who does seem to be affected by Nepal, and their, their trip to base camp does seem to like improve, like change their life in a way. I think you were one of those people. You know, because I know you've done some like ultras and stuff like that before, but I remember talking to you after base camp, we caught up and did Ben Nevis. And I remember chatting to you and all the stuff you were telling me, you went and spoke at the school and stuff like that. And um, 
I think it really did like what did it mean for you when you were there so first of all I think tell us about the trip itself what did you think of going to Everest Base Camp I absolutely loved it I flew out on my own didn't know anybody that was going to be there which I actually preferred um and before I forget strangely enough the people that I did go to Everest with uh, I am such with, and it's a really lovely sort of friendship we've got. We we do yeah. obviously we sort of keep in touch a bit, but they're just like without sounding corny, like family to me now. They're just we've all been through something together, and it's like you're just completely exposed. Yeah. <laughs> this is me at my happiest, my most exhausted. There's no air. So- and they were just such a bunch. But going to Everest um, from the start, from winning the competition, um, and I had just said it, but from winning the competition, I felt completely at ease. I went out there knowing everything was organised, all my questions answered. Um, I didn't have any things where, you know, on these tunings where they're asking questions about various things, but I didn't have any concern that. You know, it was planned, it was brilliant. Everything was yeah. organised. All I had to do was move my feet. Um, I'm saying all I had to do. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, really easy. But, um, yeah, from winning the trip itself was just bonkers when I was telling people that I was doing it. Um, Training-wise, I just got did a lot of walking. I would sort of say, um, them, like I said, Stairmaster type thing. For yeah. me, being five foot one, the hardest bit for me actually with the trek was not so much the, the distance or the, you know, the elevation or anything like that. It was, um, the climbing where you reached bits that were boulders, more like yeah. rocks, which if you had a bit of a higher statue than me, it would have been a bit easier, but I had my pull. So that was the toughest bit for me yeah. was to climb when it was, it. you know, some of the steps were higher than my knees. Yeah, you know, it's very rocky and sometimes you have to like climb up or climb down. And um mm. I'm lucky that I've never experienced it, but I've spoken to a lot of um, people on the shorter side who have said stuff that you can just like stand up or stand down. That's more of a yeah. drop for us. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, a brush for about the same. We were like, yeah. same bike. <laughs> the one thing I remember about you, and I still tell this story now when people ask me what to pack in their day pack. And I remember <laughs> on our way up to Dingboche, you went, oh, my bag's pretty heavy, pretty tired. And I lifted your bag and I was like, what on earth is in there? And I think there was a couple of books, at least, for Kenton Cool, because we knew he was out there. And you were hoping to run into him and get it signed. And um, oh. I remember at Dingboche, we were like, um, yeah, we'll just have to get Kenton to sign something else. Because I've never felt such a heavy bag. It had about four or five books in there. It was crazy. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I remember saying to me, right. No. <laughs> yeah, well, because my bag was probably about four kilos at that time. 
And I remember picking up yours and thinking, this must be at least 12. <laughs> like this is like three times heavier than mine. It's insane. But um, yeah, awesome. So once you'd reached base camp and you got back, um, because I've been lucky enough when I when I met you on Ben Nevis, I met your daughter as well. She's amazing and talented. I think she was like acting or dancing when I met her. She was in the middle of so what did she think about when you came back? And, yeah, what did she think when you got back? And what did what did it mean for you when you come back? Because I know some of the other trekkers will be listening and they'll be pondering whether or not to go on a trip. And we talk a lot about, you know, what it's like. But I think it's always when me and Andy are telling you what it's like, it's always like, well, obviously they're trying to sell me something. Mm. Tell us what it was like for you when you got back. Uh, it was just without carniness it was life-changing it was something and i remember yourself and i'm just saying you know you if you can do that you literally can achieve anything apart from maybe summiting it but i yeah. tell you and you know people say oh you know the amount of times when i got back and they said oh did you just go to base camp <laughs> no i didn't just <laughs> i think the thing that that's like and you're just trundling along um it changes you in a in a really really good way um i was always confident anyway but i think to achieve that i mean parents from the doctor were incredibly proud uh, incredibly proud of myself and like, like um the said you said about me going to the school i was working in a school time and and i think that was important to to the kids in my class you know about what you can do because some don't yeah. even have any of the thought you can actually go and do and achieve these things so it made me sort of really be passionate about saying to anybody you can do anything and it's amazing how many young people don't actually even it's not even on their radar they wouldn't even think to do an adventure like that you know some of the kids were asking me can we take a caravan you know is it like and i'm like no you can't take a caravan up there yeah. you know and it was just nice to be able to sort of say these places are out there and yeah. you know i mean you don't have to the big guns straight away but you know it it did it changed everything it changed my attitude it changed my mental health massively and I know it did for others. Um, yeah, you just feel so much more. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I think that's one of the main, like when when I very first went to Everest Base Camp, my first time was in 2016. And it was much like yourself. Like I'd always been fascinated by Everest and I wanted to go there. But for the longest time, I think that I was completely unaware that there was, that you could do it, you know, and I could just get on a flight and go there and do it. You think that, you kind of get trained in a way, I think, when you're doing a nine to five and you're doing a daily life and you just you, your world revolves around that, that work life balance. And it tends to be just that. And then when I went out to base camp and I did it for the first time, I came back and it, it was like I had a brain transplant. It completely changed my perspective. I was still the same person, but all of a sudden I was a traveler, you know, and I knew that I could do stuff that I didn't think I would be able to, and it does change you. One of the guys we trekked with, um, Stuart, he was telling me what a big effect it had on his mental health and 
how much is done for him and stuff like that. Because when we were uh, again climbing up Ben Nevis, which was great because very rarely do I meet up with the other trekkers just in a non work environment where we just met up and went to climb a mountain together. And I got to debrief with you all. And I remember Stuart was telling me the same thing that Nepal stayed with him. It's like he left a bit of himself there, but in a good way. And I just said, well, that's just an excuse to go back and get it. <laughs> you know, so he has the book. Yeah. What's, uh, what do you think would be next for you, Kate? What's um, what's what's on the what's on the horizon? Well, a littler level. I've done the uh, Yorkshire Three Peaks, and we've done Ben Nevis, so I need Snowden Scarf out. Um, nice. But on the bigger scale, I've booked Tubacow. Awesome. I'm awesome. With going to do but I'm going to do the eight day because that was such a lovely thing as well about the base camp trip was that we actually saw Kathmandu and we went on our little tour that you provided and I, I saw yeah. places that'll just stay with me forever. They're just the most incredible places. And um, that's why I'm going to do the bigger tubercal yeah. just to take place and to meet the people it's the people that are the the big thing you know that's their home so to meet them yeah. in, in their own culture it's lovely really yeah. lovely that's amazing everybody in nepal the... is so welcoming yeah nepal is one of those places i think where it's very difficult for anyone to go there and not feel like they've been welcomed by family you know straight away yeah. people will be nervous and we get a lot of solo travelers that are quite nervous before they go and they wonder like it's it's frightening to you know when you tell people oh i'm flying to Kathmandu on my own tomorrow and people have never heard of Kathmandu, and they're like what what, what? is it safe is it safe is it, are you going to be okay and then they get panicked and when, as soon as you arrive there and i'm a big believer in this the moment the guide meets you at the airport i think that just disappears because yeah you can't feel anything else but just okay I'm in safe hands here these these guys are friends and um it's one of the things and you'll honestly you'll feel the same in Marrakesh as well when you land in Marrakesh because I've recently just come back from Tupacal actually Kate funny story um well funny for everyone else is that I didn't summit Tupacal I turned back um mm. but you will I guarantee you I turned <laughs> back because of <laughs> because of um heat stroke and antibiotics but the eight day, I think, is definitely the more experiential trip because on the four day, you arrive, you go to Imlil, you summit, you come down and then you leave again. I mm. think on the eight day, you get to spend more time in the Berber villages. Um, so you are going to meet the local Berber people. You'll be staying with them. You will drink more tea than you can physically handle. Everywhere you go, part of the custom is that they'll make you tea and things like that. Um, yeah, so just yeah gallons of tea you are going to be drinking but you'll love it you'll have to go to this one place i'll i'll send you the details where he sells like he has a shop near imlil um yeah. i say near imlil it's about a two-hour hike um, <laughs> but he sells like carpets and trinkets and things like that and he's the most amazing guy he's got this really isolated shop just in the middle of this mountain and we went up to see him and I just bought a couple of things. And then the next thing you know, we're all sat out on his like terrace, um, just like drinking tea and eating bread and just chatting to him and stuff. And that's why I like traveling because that experience is almost everywhere you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Um, also, as well, I read that you started a business as well recently. <laughs> so tell us about that. Tell us about what you're doing. <laughs> well, this was um, a thing, I suppose, from doing uh, base camp a bit. I just uh, decided to stay, uh, train. I left the school when I was working in school because my daughter's older now. She just turned 18. Yeah. Um, so I set up to do life coaching, um, probably on the back of the fact that I wanted to sort of uh, be there to guide, I suppose, and support anybody that had any dreams or ambitions that they were a bit cautious about in the bullet and for. Yeah. Because um, I really, I really do believe that you, you really, really can. I know I won the the trip to Everest Base Camp and my parents were amazing and they sorted my flights but you know I, I aren't loaded <laughs> and yeah. I just really do believe where there's a will there's a way there really really is and it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there you you, you can do it so off the back of that full of my hype and <laughs> loving what I'd achieved um, I decided to set up life coaching, so I, I, I stopped uh, the job that I was doing and sort that's of turned amazing. on to something that I really was passionate about, and that's just going for you. That's it. <laughs> Even what you've Honestly, that's amazing, and I do think it is really important as well, because one of the things you said earlier was that, you know, particularly a lot of young people, um, or not necessarily, but just people that have been trapped in the same lifestyle for a certain length of time. We're not saying it's wrong. But if those people also have a desire to do something, sometimes they don't know where to begin, you know, and someone to be able to show them the way. I mean, everything that you've done on EBC is exactly the same for everyone else. Um, yeah. They just not 100 percent. They just don't get it for free. But the but still everything that you've gone through mentally and physically, um, it is valuable. You know, everything that we've ever done here and why we do these Tuesday tune ins, because we do think it is valuable. So for you to set up a business and help anyone in any way get out of the life that they're unhappy with and into a life they're happy with, I think yeah. is incredibly worthwhile. And I think even if Nepal had a tiny little impact on, you know, starting that, then already it's going to be a huge benefit to so many people. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Do you, uh, do you know when you're going to Tupcal? Have we got a date locked in for you? February. Yeah. I, I moved it forward because uh, I thought I was going to, my daughter would be going away to university in September, but she's decided to take a gap year to go traveling, which is yeah. ace. <laughs> um, yeah. So I moved it forward to February. Awesome. Yeah. You never so know, very... I, might, I might join you on it because I need to go back. Um, yes. Um, because I, 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 when I turned around on Tupcal, I, I, you know, I, I said then and I said when I got down, that you know it's um there's no ego in mountain climbing you know you get as high and you do the best as you can and then you make sure you can come back safely and that's yes. what i did yeah but there is a little bit of ego and i just want to go back and i want to and i want to get to the top so i did stop and i did turn around and i got back safely and i was really proud of that decision and i got back and i was about back a week and i thought oh, that, that was good i'm proud of myself but I, but I do need to go back. <laughs> I do need to yeah. get to the, the top. So yeah, you never know. I might uh, I might jump on with you. Um, yeah. 
like because I want to do the eight day because I've done the four day now I've experienced the four day mm. um and I think I think doing the eight day would be um I want to spend longer in the, in the yeah. mountains and things like that um yeah because it was absolutely awesome I can see people are gutted already so we've got comments we've got loads of people on the live by the way um you know so we've got you our usuals which is Shona um we've got Kevin um we've got Jimbo Blues Richard Lambert um Stuart Taylor um he says hello Kate by the way um uh, th there's some disbelief that you were 45 when you got to base camp um so 49 now, now. <laughs> there's some disbelief there Kate um That's nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we have got a question from Jerome um uh -huh. that asked, uh, had you done any trekking or high altitude or anything like that before you went to EBC no no, I the most the highest I'd done was the Yorkshire Three Peaks. Yeah. Um, would have you know I would have tried to do a bit more, but I didn't drive. I don't drive, um, so I was sort of pretty restricted within Yorkshire. So yeah. Yorkshire Three Peaks was the most I'd done. I had done marathons and ultra marathons, but saying that I didn't even those I didn't run them all. I'm not you know like speedy two hour marathon runner. Yeah thing like that um I just uh yeah just and, and before I went I listened and just kept healthy they said you know sort of withdraw every vice for about 10 days before you go so I literally <laughs> yeah. didn't have chocolate I didn't drink I don't smoke anyway but just to try and get myself in a better thing the, the biggest struggle for me was the water drinking yeah out of water well, that you really need to do funny enough that does lead me on to a question from Gemma who said what was the hardest part of the challenge and what was the most rewarding so the most the hardest part drinking the water drinking the water and the the weird sensation I remember one day I think it was on day four of actual trekking I'd, I'd had a look at my thing to try and find out when it was and I'd lost complete appetite yeah. That was bizarre. That was really bizarre because there was a couple of us that were the same. Yeah. Um, they're so accommodating in Nepal. And I remember Barry being on the trek and he too had lost his appetite and they did him some roast potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> then we didn't lose our appetite. We had them. Um, yeah, it's making sure you do stay hydrated because I was, I must admit, I did, I was quite dehydrated when I finished the trek. Yeah. Um, you've really got to just get it down you <laughs> just drink yeah. drink um most rewarding was just and the, the support of the group uh there is no ego like you said at all i was fastest um it doesn't always play out that the fittest do so well because they just charge on ahead or whatever yeah, we have some yeah. very fit people on our <laughs> We um, did, yeah. yeah, they took it too far. Uh, they were, <laughs> but they, you know, all of us achieved what we set out to achieve. We didn't. It didn't matter if I, and it was quite good actually. I was glad I was a bit behind when we got to Everest Base Camp because everybody was more or less there. So as you crossed over the bit onto Base Camp, everybody sang me Happy Birthday. I remember so I well. wouldn't have that experience had I not. I, I mean, I didn't partake in. Lee's um, every space oh, yeah. camp fit session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was pushing it a bit I, far. 
I was forced to. Um, yeah, that was uh, so when we went there. So we we did have a really big mix of people when we went. We yeah. had just like, you know, people that you know, I would say are not fit but not unfit. You know, just regular people that can walk. And then we had some ultra Ironman level athletes, and one of them was Lee, who was. I'll be honest, I'm really happy he was on our trip because his enthusiasm, you know, was infectious. There's a certain type of person that can annoy you if they're like over enthusiastic and when you're feeling tired and down, they can be, you know, irritating with their never ending positivity attitude. But Lee is not that guy. Lee was the one who, I don't know, something about his smile, something about this the way he carried himself and the way he talked to you, it, it was good. And I would, you know, it's really nice that you said the best part of it was the group. Cause I, I agree with you. I think that group and everybody probably says this cause they've all got their own group, but every, I think that group was really good. And one of the best that I've ever experienced because everyone supported each other and helped each other. Um, but Lee, when we went to base camp, he is, he runs his own gyms and things. And he, um, he wanted to do the highest like um, PT session ever a base camp it was only uh like five ten minutes long um but i do distinctly remember it and thinking to myself this is terrible <laughs> like doing squats and press-ups at ebc um yeah that was that was special um awesome so yeah um also i think um we've got some more comments here so uh, kate uh no so diane has said that um yeah, that you, it sounds like you've got a great attitude. She hasn't said specifically you, Kate. She might have been referring to me, but I suspect that it was you yeah. that she was referring to. Um, and she's also said about, you know, sounds like you were already very fit, Kate. How would you, would you say that you were like ultra marathon fit when you went or were you just hiking fit? How, no. Like, No, I was not at all um, massively fit. My PE teachers at school would have been absolutely shocked that because they couldn't even get me to run a few steps um I, yes i did do ultras but that's sort of who i am it's more the challenge yeah and, and i do think um again i've got no ego so i think well if i can complete that challenge that's it i've done it yeah. you know it doesn't matter whether i run a marathon in five hours or, or what I do, I can say that I've done it. I did the London Marathon. Um, again, I sound like a fluky person, but I won that. Um, yeah. That was in a ballot and I won it. But um, no, I am not, definitely not the the most fittest. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't smoke. Um, I just I just love the challenge. I'm more mentally strong, I would say, then, than physically. Yeah you know if I put my mind to it I'll do it and with base camp I mean I got to base camp and I was just so proud of myself it was unbelievable you know I must admit I did get to base camp and on the way back thinking right I've done it now can you just teleport me home (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've had that feeling but I'm done but but you know what I think it was amazing because we know you made it I know Barry made it and he he really Mm -hmm. struggled Barry struggled though because he ate chicken burgers and beer i think uh, early on on the trek <laughs> he was hilarious i had a photo of him at namshire and i don't know whether barry's on here but he's a glaswegian and he's absolutely fab fun 
And I have a picture of him at Namche, leaning against a wall with a cigarette and the brightest bottle of was it Iron Brew or Fanta. Yeah. And he's leaning against the wall and I said to him, you're just the poster boy for Everest Base Camping. <laughs> yeah. Well, he brought Iron Brew with him um, yeah. in his bag, but they all exploded in the uh, the hole. Yeah, <laughs> Barry is a... He's, they're good boys. I remember Barry and Darren, the two Glaswegians. They were Barry. I remember saying to her, you know, you give everyone the advice. It is advice. We strongly mm -hmm. advise you to take it to adopt a vegetarian diet and don't drink alcohol at least till you're on your way down and you get back to Namshi. Yeah, yeah, no worries, Dave, no worries. Day one, in fact, he arrives before me and I turn up and he's got a burger and a beer in his hand and I'm like, fair play. <laughs> you know, if that's how you want to do it. And then in Namshi, he's got a cigarette and he's got a bag. And um, I remember, I did, you know, part of me is like, you know, I respect people that know their own mind. But the other part of me was thinking, there's a chance this might come back to bite him. <laughs> and I remember when I saw him at Gorek Shep the morning after base camp, um, I saw him and I was like, yeah, Baz, you're, you're going to have a difficult day, mate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so we've had some other questions as well. So yes. um, I think Sylvia has asked, I think it's Sylvia, Sylvia has asked, would you do it again? Would no, I would. I love Nepal and I love base camp. But for me, uh, I'm sort of one of those people that doesn't want to do something more. It's not the same thing because I have such memories of this base camp that will just stay with me forever. Um, and yeah. I sort of want to remember it as it was. I'd probably go back to Nepal maybe at some point because I just was, fell in love with Nepal completely. Yeah. But... Um, the trek, maybe not, and as I say, not because it of the the trek itself and you know the challenge, just because it's memories that I want to keep as they were. Yeah. Really, you know, first well, time you see Everest is unbelievable when you actually see it for the first time when we were going up towards the museum. Yeah, and they were like, you go to the left, you can't. That view was just unbelievable to see that for the first time awesome uh, well lucky for you kate there's loads more treks to do in nepal anyway so you can save a base camp but go maybe to annapurna or manaslu or or somewhere like mm -hmm. that i um, i should yeah. tell you as well so there is um, a community of uh they're like subcontractors that we have um, they've actually started their own group that might be near you i'd be told off it's called escape to the peak district i think um, or APs, I think they might have changed it. Check it out on Facebook. There's quite a lot of ever trekkers on here that are part of that. So if you wanted to go hiking in the uh, Peak District and oh, stuff yeah. like that, um, yeah. oh, you know, there's, um, there's I think Mona, Jerome, and a few others. Um, Jerome, I think, is the main one who like he carries everyone's bags. And then if you pick up any nice rocks, you can give him them as well. Um, <laughs> you know, and and he carries your water and your food and your sandwiches. Uh, wow. He's basically just like a pack horse, you know. He's like a he's like a yak that we uh, that they use. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to have well, very a, well. really great to have um, a previous winner on here, and we'll we'll definitely have you back and catch up and see how things are going um, after Tupgal as well. Um, so yeah. Awesome, Kate. Thank you very much. Um, all you have to do in order to leave the chat is just X out. Because <laughs> me and Andy... I thought I'd have done that because I can't see you. I'm just looking at news stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone who wants to go, you're in safe hands. And the, the guide, Santos, my guide, was just wonderful. So yeah. they get you there. You'll do awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. And um, yeah, I'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, catch up soon. Thanks, no everyone. Bye, bye. Hello, everyone. So um, boy, I'll carry on now um, a little bit solo and answer some questions, um, which might mean we might finish a little bit sooner than, than usual. But um yeah thank you very much for you know joining us taking the time to have a, have a chat with kate as well um it's great to have kate on i've wanted to get her on for such a long time because after trekking with her um and then going to um ben nevis with her i got to know her a little bit and it's quite rare that you actually get to know the people that you trek with um you know on a personal level i'd love to um get to know everyone because knowing their stories really does mean a lot and i think that um you know being able to kind of know what effect it has on people is 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 absolutely amazing um but what i'm going to do right now is dive into some questions um so the first one we've had here is from claire aaron um who said she's tracked dbc before and was very fortunate that the altitude didn't affect her at all very very lucky you're concerned for trekking up to Kilimanjaro. Uh, there does not seem to be much acclimatization. You really want to do this trip, and I'm hoping you can put my mind at rest. P.S. Not on Facebook, so I would really be grateful for a response um, as well. No way. So what I'll have to do, Claire, is drop you an email. But for everyone else that's asking, um, yeah, so our Kilimanjaro trip, um, it is shorter. All trips to Kilimanjaro are shorter than Everest Base Camp. Um, but we do the longest one possible. So we do try and do it over um, eight days. Well, we don't try, we do it eight days. It's the Lamosha route, it's a lot longer. Um, and so far, our last season, I think out of every single person that we had go to Kilimanjaro, and there was a few hundred, I think only two didn't make the summit. That's partially due to one, the strength and the quality of the guides that we've got. They know how to get people to the summit of Kilimanjaro. The second one is that we do make every effort to climb the mountain as slowly and as steadily as we can, um, which means that you do acclimatize quite well. Um, we do the climb high, sleep low, which is quite difficult to do on Kili. Um, on the shorter trips, you tend to start at the bottom and you just sort of run to the top. Um, you can even do it in like four or five days, which, which is crazy. We would never do that. Um, but on our one, because we take eight days, we do a couple of days. Uh, I think we go from to Big Tree, then Shira One, then Shira Two. Then you go up really high to Lava Tower. Um, and that's, you know, it's like a thousand meter gain in one day. But then you'll come back down to Barranco Camp. So we do have that climb high, sleep low. And, um, you know, I made Kilimanjaro. Every single person in my group made Kilimanjaro. And last year, yeah, we only had two that didn't. Um, and I think some of that might have been stomach issues. Um, altitude, 100% you'll feel it on Killy. There's no way around it. You can't get to nearly 6,000 meters and not be aware of it. Um, I noticed, uh, you know, just getting in and out of the tent. I made a silly mistake of bringing a, um, an inflatable mattress, um, but I didn't have a pump. Um, so I had to use my lungs. And uh, after a while, uh, Andy wanted it. So he was more than welcome to have it. So I didn't have to blow that thing up again. Um, awesome. I'm going to move on to Matt now, who has asked, uh, uh, he finds it very difficult to choose which season would be best for him to go to EBC. Every month there's pros and cons, certainly does. Um, and it's all a fine balance in act, considering all of the variables. Um, essentially, 
can, uh, or basically, can we, okay, or basically, can your team publish what are your favorite, okay, so he's kind of asking what our favorites are, um, when's the best time to go and things like that, um, and also ask me about a day pack, so I'll get, I'll get there as well. So first question, it really is personal preference about when you go, but not only just preference, also about when's the most convenient for you to go. Um, if I was going to give someone the best advice I could, I would say April, May and October, November are the best times to go. We do March, some in March, um, and we do some um, in September as well. And particularly in March as well, it's pretty good. It is, tends to be colder. Um, but the reason why I say April, May, October, November is because it's the most stable in terms of weather. With EBC, what worries me is not... Um, you know, it's not how busy it is. It's not who's here or who's there. It's all about um, the weather because the weather affects how easy it is to get to Lukla and it affects what views you get as well when you're there because you want to be able to see Everest, see, you know, Amadablam, see Lhotse, see all of those things. Um, and so I tend to think April, May, October, November is pretty much the best time to go. Um, I do have a personal preference. I'd probably say autumn, late autumn for me. It's starting to come into winter, so it's getting a bit colder. Um, I really enjoy that because I run quite hot and it just makes it nice and nice and cool. Um, also a question, we say a 30, 35 litre for a day pack. Would 44 to 48 be too much capacity to take? In my opinion, I think yes, 44 to 48 litres would be too much to take. The reason why I think that's too much is because people have a tendency to fill their packs if they've got the space because you have to second guess all the time. Do I need this? Do I need that? Shall I bring this or shan't I? And if you've got the space, you think, oh, well, I'll bring it just for peace of mind. And it doesn't take long for all of those little peace of mind items to add up to quite a heavy pack. And if your backpack is 45, 40, 50 liters, that can be really heavy. I take a 25 to 30 liter day pack and I'm quite strict about what I bring in there. I only put in there the stuff that I'm going to need on that day. And I'd rather kind of risk not having something than carrying a bag that's too heavy. Um, hope that helps. Um, so Jerome has asked what type of boots you wore. That's a question to Kate. But I think Kate's now in the comments letting everyone know what she wore. I think she said she had some scarpers. Um, yeah, she didn't use the uh, the mandles. Um and let's have a quick look. Oh, Daniel Saxon asked, did we catch up with Kenton? Sadly, we didn't catch up with Kenton on that trip. Um, we know that he was in the area at the time, but I think he was a day or two ahead of us. Um, and uh, I don't think he walks that slowly, so we didn't end up catching up with him. Um, and let's have a quick look. So, yeah, Jane, you've said that you're really nervous about getting enough water in. Honestly, it is it is tricky getting the amount of water in. Um, a lot of it is about one acclimatization, but also like how hot you run, how much you sweat. I tend to be a big sweater. So I tend to need at least four liters a day. Um, I'll probably drink more than that once you're factoring in teas and coffees and things like that. But I'll probably put about two liters in my pack at the start of the day, drink that down, and then I'll probably put another two liters in to finish a day. Um, so yeah, I might even have like another, like a fifth liter if it's been really hot and I've sweated loads. Um, I also, the biggest, biggest trick that I can give you to kind of get as much water in is buy those little Robinson squash things. They're like this big and you, it's like really strong concentrate that you can squirt in your water. Um, it does stain your water bladder in your rucksack, 
but I don't care about that. It just makes the, it just like drinking squash is so much easier to neck if you need to than drinking just plain water all the time. That's probably, I, I struggle most as well. Weirdly, when I'm more exhausted or if I'm not feeling that well, you tend to just shut down a lot of the things that are uncomfortable. So drinking loads of water is, um, yeah, is one of those things as well. So yeah, I 100% um, think those squash things are good. Andy McNaughton Jones agrees as well. Um, yeah, Andy, I've definitely been meaning to contact you, my friend. It's just been super busy lately. Um, yeah, with uh, the start of the Killy season and things like that. Um, awesome. So another question here. Uh, Tom Massetto um, has said, uh, now the worrying part is getting to Moshi with these flight cancellations. Honestly, it is one of those really annoying things with the flights at the moment where the airports are struggling. We are getting um, flight cancellations and things like that. But honestly, guys, uh, my advice with this is if you are booking a flight, book direct with the airline rather than go through like a third party. The reason is because when you go direct with the airline, you tend to get much better customer service and rearranging flights and refunds and things like that. It's so much easier. Um, I tend to go direct all the time now rather than use a, an agency that offers a cheaper flight. Largely because one time I, I had a flight cancelled on me and they said they'd, um, I think it was something crazy like a year or something before I got the, uh, the refund. So never have that problem if I go direct for like Qatar or something like that. Um, so Andrew Burton, how's it going, Andrew? Uh, when are we in the Beacons next? So training weekend for, uh, I think it's fully sold out, but in August. Uh, but me personally, hopefully within the next few weeks, I'll be starting training because we got the Glencoe Challenge in just over a month. So um, I'll have to start uh, getting on that and training as much as I can with that. Um, and let's have a look. How about non-hydration tablets for the bladder? Um, I tend to have them, to be honest, in my bottle at the end of the day. Um so I tend to like have a like two hydration tablets in a liter of water that kind of just um, uh, replaces all the lost salts and things that I've done through exercise and sweating and things like that. Um, okay, so I have a quick question here. So Emily Cathilla said a few weeks ago on the tune-in, here we go, what did I say? Um, uh, someone suggested doing both Mera uh, followed by Island Peak. So you research this and think it would be your choice. You wondered if it's possible to add the connection between the two over the Ampulatsa Pass. Sounds like an insane trek. Um, yeah, 100%. So we did it one for one person before um, as like a kind of a custom trip. So you'll have to get in touch with us and we'll have to look into um, to doing it. Um, the Ampulatsa Pass, I think the person that did it, I think they they may have got a chopper connection um, over to Namshi, I think, uh, rather than going, going over the pass because the pass, the Ampulatsa can be particularly difficult. Um, oh, yeah, and Sinead has just warned me that the uh, the Glencoe Challenge is two weeks Saturday, so perhaps I'll go training today. Um, awesome. Guys, I think that's pretty much it for me today. Um, a little bit shorter than usual, but hopefully you got some value um, from Kate. She's a wonderful person, and I think that, um, yeah, she's, uh, uh, you know, her experience, I think, is really important to tell because we do offer these... Um, you know these competitions and we give away the free trips and then i realized the other day i don't think we've ever had a winner on um who are these people that these anonymous people that we say win well now you've met one um awesome guys have a great weekend uh, i think normal service will resume next week when andy is back with us 
Um, but yeah, take care. See you next Tuesday. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mount Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I yeah. hope you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. Thank you.